This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. 400 episodes of the Learn Jazz Standards podcast. Wow. So I'm going to talk about in this episode today everything that I've learned over the last 400 episodes of recording and producing this show. Let's jump to it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, real musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Episode 400 of the podcast. Honestly, I I can't believe it. Um, I remember when I first started podcasting and I would look at um, podcasters that I was listening to uh, and seeing that they had like 300, 400, 600 episodes and I was just being like, this is insane. Like, how are these people still going? How are these people still actually recording this podcast every single week? Um, But here I am, 400 episodes into the podcast. And I first just want to start out by saying thank you to all of the listeners. So if you're someone who has been listening for a long time, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sometimes I get emails from you saying that you've been listening for from the very beginning or that you just found the podcast and binge listened to all of them. Like, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. If you've been listening just for a short while, thank you so much. I really appreciate that you would lend me some of your time. And in exchange, I hope I've been valuable to you so far because that is the reason I do this podcast. I try to be valuable as possible, help you learn how to play jazz. And if you're new to the podcast, this episode today is not a normal podcast episode. I'm not going to be dishing out the normal jazz tips, tricks, advice, practicing, all that stuff. Um, This is more just like, I guess, insiders episode about what I've experienced making this podcast thus far. If you have subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, Thank you, thank you, thank you very, very, very much. It really does help the show out. And if you've ever left a rating or review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere, thank you. That really means a lot. I read all of them and it really does help the show out and uh, helps other people know that it's a show worth listening to. And all of those things and really you, the listeners, are what have kept me going all these years back when we started in 2016. So in this episode, I think it would just be, I, I wanted just to, to do something different, like I mentioned, and just kind of talk about what I've learned over this course of creating 400 podcast episodes for Learn Jazz Standards podcast. So I'll go over four different categories that I've kind of thought about. And number one is musical, like what I've learned musically, what I've learned personally, what I've learned about teaching music, and lastly, what I've learned about content creation, which is might be something like a little insider's like thing that you probably wouldn't think about, but it's something that I think about all the time. And then finally, we'll end the episode talking about what's the future of the Learn Jazz Standards podcast. I mean, now that we've hit 400 episodes, what's next? So we'll talk about that. So let's talk about musical, like what have I learned musically, like about myself going through these podcast episodes. So what's really interesting is after you've made 400 pieces of of content, right? And it's all like musical tips and it's all like me playing musical examples or just me talking about musical examples or whatever have you. You, interestingly enough, like learn 
more about music. So this is like the whole thing of like, if you want to learn how to be better at playing music, teach music, right? I don't know if you've ever heard that before. So I, I noticed this when I did um, some books that I've published. So I've done some books that I've published, e- eBooks mostly for Learn Jazz Standards, uh, this business. But I've also published a few books through Hal Leonard, um, the music publication company, Hal Leonard. And when you write a book, it's like a lot of work. <laughs> I'll just like tell you that right now. Um, I may never actually create a, a music method book ever again um, for a couple of different reasons. But one of the reason is because it it is an absolute ton, ton of work. It's like six months of very dedicated time if you're fast, right? Um, so going through that, and specifically, I wrote this book for Hal Leonard called... Um, visual improvisation for jazz guitar. They wanted me to write a book for, for guitar. I wrote this book and then, uh, and it was like just exactly how I would want to have learned the fretboard if I were starting from square one. And then all of a sudden part of the contract was I had to create recordings for all this stuff. And so after I was done, not only writing the book, notating it, thinking about it, all this stuff, I was like, Oh my God, now I actually have to play all this stuff. So, so, I literally like left uh, working on that book. I, I feel like a better musician. Like I just played better. I even remember going to a gig one year after playing that, and someone who was very familiar with my playing was like, "Hey, you're sounding really good." He hadn't heard me in a while, and so he was like, "Wow, you're sounding really good." And I told him, "I just finished writing this book, and I'm pretty sure <laughs> my technique is better, and I'm pretty sure." Um, some things in my head are just more solidified than they were before, right? And so that's obviously what I've learned writing a book. But when you do 400 podcast episodes, kind of a similar thing starts happening. Um, and I'm not even talking about all the YouTube videos I've done or all the, the videos for our courses and our Inner Circle membership I've done, right? It's But when you do 400 podcast episodes, it's like you have no choice but to also improve because... What happens is you really think about what is it that I need to tell you guys on the other end of this to help you improve? Or like, what is it that I see in my students that I've seen in other musicians or that I've experienced personally that if you did this or if you did something differently would help you improve your jazz playing or your musicianship, right? So you really think about these things intently and then you go out and you actually do it yourself, right? Um, and sometimes you've done it before, right? And that's why you're teaching it. Other times you're like, oh, I've never actually done that before, but <laughs> but this is a really good idea. And so you go out and do it. And so you do improve as a musician um, when you're making all of this content, when you're creating all this material to teach other people music. Um, and so what I would say is, doing all these podcast episodes and all the content I've created, it's sort of like refined my playing a little bit more and it's solidified some things that were a little bit more elusive to me before, right? Not elusive because I didn't understand them or know what I was doing, but elusive in the sense that I'd never really stopped to think very hard about what was actually happening, right? which is what I really try to help you guys with is think really hard about what you're actually playing and understand what you're actually playing so that once you have that foundational layer, hopefully the creative side can kick in, right? So I wouldn't say that after creating all these episodes that I'm a more creative musician, like, or that the, the rather just say that another way that the podcast has made me a more creative musician, but it's made me like a more refined musician, like a more like, this is how you play the changes. Awesome. Right. This is how you play more like this. Awesome. I can do that. Right. So I think that's really been the musical benefit for me of doing these podcast episodes. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Right. Like every experience I've had as a professional jazz musician, whether it been in my days where I was doing a lot of performing or a lot of private lesson teaching, right? Those moments taught me something or writing, like I mentioned at the book, uh, the books really, I've written like four or five of them, no, five, six, something like that. 
they teach you something, right? Just by focusing on music, you learn something, right? That's why we recommend composing your jazz solo sometimes here on the podcast, right? Because like you're like thinking about what you actually want to play. And that's essentially how that's helped me. So that's musically how the podcast has improved me, which is kind of cool. I, I think it's a really cool thing um, just to think about, honestly. So the second one I want to talk about is teaching, right? Because I kind of alluded to this a little bit talking about my musical improvement, but teaching, like how is how has it improved my teaching abilities? And I think this is one of those areas where it has really, really improved my teaching ability. Like this is what one area, like it's it's really obvious. So when you're creating all of this content and you're <clears throat> you're teaching things, inevitably you're saying new things all the time. But as those who listen to this podcast quite often know, you're also saying the same things a lot of time a different way, right? You're trying to explain something in a different way that might resonate with someone someone in a certain way more than another, right? And I've literally heard from you guys, listeners like you, who tell me that, like, wow, episode 200 and whatever, that was really helpful, right? And I look at that episode, I'm like, oh, that's great. I've actually covered that same topic in like a bunch of other ways, right? But it was the way in which you're applying the knowledge, right? So learning how to apply knowledge, right, in different ways to me is what opened me up as a teacher. Because I would say before the podcast, like before creating a ton of content, even like when I was doing just the blog posts on learnjazzstandards.com, right? But like I was coming at it from a very, a viewpoint of someone who is a professional musician and who is practicing and is just trying to distill like what's worked for them the best, right? And so sometimes I feel like, especially earlier on, that might come across as a little bit rigid. Like you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this, right? Um, And what I've learned is that's not really the best way to teach people, right? That's not the best way to actually teach people. The best way to teach people is to show them like a North Star, right? Like, hey, this is the right kind of thing to do, but here are a bunch of different ways to get there, right? Because for some people, they might learn more analytically. For other people, they may learn more on the creative side. There's different ways in which people learn. And so that awareness really, really helped me. And the other way it helped me with teaching is inevitably when you're creating all these episodes, you're getting feedback, right? So I'm getting feedback through emails from you guys. I'm getting feedback through our inner circle members who also listen to the podcast, who are saying things, right, to to me about what's working for them, what's not working for them. And so by getting that constant feedback, I'm able to go, oh, wait a second, this this is a struggle that people listening to this podcast have that I wasn't even aware of or that I didn't think about it that way. So then I start reframing the way I teach, right? I'm teaching in in a different way suddenly, or I'm teaching other things that I wouldn't have thought to teach before, right? Another thing is my definition of teaching has changed a little bit, or at least it's expanded a little bit. So I think there's kind of like two different ways to go about teaching. So one, I'll just call teaching, like literal teaching. And so for me, a teacher is someone who shows and helps you understand new information that will hopefully help you improve. So for example, like how do you learn a new jazz standard? Okay, well, here's my list process for learning jazz standards. It'll give you a step-by-step process, right? So that's new information or Hey, how do you improvise better over two five ones? Here's ten licks over two five one, and why they sound so good, right? Um, that to me is like a teacher, right? It's like here's new information. Let's make sure you can do it, right? Now, the other kind of teacher, though, to me is is a coach, right? So, a coach is someone who helps you find the answers or guides you to finding the answers to your own problems, right? Or a coach is someone who's more looking from a bird's eye view at things and going, do this and then do this and then do this. Like, you know how to do these things. And if you don't, then I become a teacher, right? But here's what you should do next. And here's me to help guide you. And I'd really do this 
when I'm interacting with our members in our inner circle membership, that's kind of the the role that I really think about mostly. If I'm commenting on someone's recording in our membership, I'm kind of trying to think more like a coach than a teacher, right? So I've also adapted that though to the podcast where I'll do these more, uh, these episodes that aren't necessarily like a new tactic or something like that. It's more about like how to practice or like here are the things that I would do to improve, like in our last episode, to improve in 2023, right? So it's kind of like a diff, just a different way of thinking about doing it. I think that the teaching role, the, the teacher role is really important, obviously, but I think that the coaching role is most valuable for people that are knowledgeable or perhaps an intermediate musician and really just want to improve more, right? So I think a combination of those approaches has kind of come about for me and that the coaching idea that really did not exist for me until like within the last year where I really started to think about that a little bit more. So even being on the podcast this long, thinking about that has taken a while to come around and it's also come from outside sources as well, right? I'm always, that's another thing I think that's happened with the podcast is like, because this is my job, right? This is um, a big part of my livelihood, right? It's one way that I bring in customers, right? To my business. I'm always thinking about how do I improve this experience on the podcast? And so I do that, Um, you know, so that's, that's teaching, so the next category is personal. Like how is how is this affected me personally doing all these episodes? And this one is the most interesting, might be the most interesting stuff for you to hear. Um and I'll be a little bit vulnerable to here on the podcast cuz you know, it's the 400 episode. So why not? Why not let you in a little bit more here? So when in 2016, when a member of my team uh his name's Justin. Uh, he's done. He does all the the tech work, and he's like a webmaster, but he does a lot of other stuff for the business. So he was like, "Brent, you should start a podcast." In 2016, he told me. Well, it was actually probably in the 2015. He told me this because we started in what March of 2016, and he's like, "Brent, you should do a podcast." And I really think that this would help connect with, you know the people who are following you more than just what we were doing on our blog, right? Which is just writing articles and lessons on our blog. And I was really hesitant about this. And funnily enough, like me and Justin, Justin came to New York, um, a, a, I don't know, so, sometime, sometime in the last couple of months. And we were sitting down for a uh, Japanese barbecue and we were talking about this and he was telling me, he was like, yeah, Remember how like you didn't really want to do the podcast because you were afraid of being the face of Learn Jazz Standards? And this was 100% true. Like I literally did not want to be the face of Learn Jazz Standards. Like I I was perfectly fine hiding behind this brand called Learn Jazz Standards and just having like these blog articles, which yeah, my name was associated there. Like if you wanted to look, you could see it was written by Brent Vartstra, but you know, it's just people searching for things on Google and finding it and just reading something. It's not really like me putting myself out there. So, you know, putting yourself out there in a medium where there is potential anyways for vast exposure, right? That's a that's a choice that one makes, right? Um, and I didn't really see myself fitting in that. Obviously, now, now I do because I am. Um, so that, that was... That was a big personal change. And I think one one thing that I asked myself was, why is it that I don't want to be the personal face? Why don't I want to put myself out there, right? What's what's holding me back? And again, being very vulnerable and transparent with you for the 400th episode of the podcast, why not? You know, I think part of it was just the fear of claiming that I was an authority on the niche, even though I already was doing that on the blog, but just being more, this is who I am. And I'm authority. I'm an authority at helping people learn how to play jazz. Right. Um, and it's interesting because obviously I was teaching lots of private lessons like before then. So I was acting as an authority of how to play jazz or how to play guitar and, you know, showing I, I was teaching, but just on a smaller level. And I think somehow 
the internet makes things weirder. Like it makes things more like, you know, if you're going to throw yourself out there as an authority, like somehow in your head, you think, well, I must, I have to be like the most world-class musician ever. At least this is kind of this imposter syndrome that kind of comes up. And I think for me, I felt like, well, I'm a good, I'm a good musician. I'm a good jazz musician, but I'm not like, um, I'm not like a guy who's touring, you know, Europe and Asia and North America. Like I'm just like a local jazz musician here in New York city playing private parties and, you know, small club dates and bars and what have you teaching private lessons on the side. And I have this jazz blog, right? (laughs) That's, that's how I viewed myself. Right. I'm not like a big timer. I'm not, um, I don't know who can I compare myself to. I'm not like a Chad Lefkowitz Brown, right? I've played a gig with him actually before, but Chad Lefkowitz Brown is a complete virtuoso, amazing player. Now he has an online presence as well. So I had this kind of imposter syndrome a little bit of that. And you can actually really, um, and again, I'm being very vulnerable. I feel uncomfortable telling you all this stuff. It like makes me feel very uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyways. You can hear that within the first, I don't know, 50 to 60 episodes of the podcast where I'm doing a lot more talking than I am playing my instrument. And that's not for uh, intentional purposes. Like you'll often hear me do episodes on this podcast, even very recently, where I'm just doing talking head stuff. I'm not actually playing anything because, again, it's more of that coaching strategy sort of side of what I want to be teaching, right? Less, less than just always playing musical examples and showing stuff. Um, though now, obviously, I try to do you know a, a fair amount of both, but. In the beginning, I think that was more because I was afraid to play on a podcast where I knew the potential of how many different people could listen to me. And it's not like I was wrong about that because as of today, we have 3.5 million downloads of this podcast to date. So in other words, a lot of people listen to the podcast and certainly a lot of people for the niche of like jazz and playing jazz. Right. So you might've heard me just, I just was a little timid about getting to play. So the huge personal change that came about for me was overcoming that. Right. So uh, gradually it was just like, okay, like what the heck am I doing? Like I should be showing everybody how I play and what I do. Right. And then I would do it, but then I'd be super, super worried about playing perfectly, right? So anytime I'd mess something up, even slightly, I would re-record it, right? And I'd waste a lot of my time, by the way, doing that. <clears throat> I would spend a lot of time, you know, trying to get everything perfect on the podcast so that like every musical example I played or any improvisation I played sounded like the best possible version of what I wanted. And that was because I was very self-conscious, right? And that self-consciousness also I realized on a much lower level, obviously not as an intense level, level, was playing out even in my performing career, right? At the time, I was performing quite a bit. Like I would say three times a week average, but some seasons like five times a week. So not bad, right? I was performing a, a good amount. And that was I, that was something that I kind of had to realize as well. It's like, well, you know, I'm also very worried about how I sound, right? Or making a mistake in front of my peers or in front of an audience, right? Which is not conducive for improvising well. It's just not the best mindset to be in, right? And the podcast, I think, and other content I've created on YouTube, um, especially YouTube, honestly, because YouTube, I really play, I always have to, I'm always playing my instrument because, uh, you know, you know, YouTube, it's just a different kind of content form, podcast listeners. I'll talk about content creation actually at the end. That's the last category. (laughs) We'll get into that. But anyways, it really helped me overcome this where it's like, no, no, I'm I'm confident in when, the way I play. I'm confident in my ability to teach thousands and thousands of strangers. I'm confident in the 
um, the way I sound. And, you know, nowadays I pretty much, whenever I'm improvising on the podcast or I'm, you know, showing myself doing something, I usually won't re-record it unless it's like a really big blunder where I, where it's like, that really is a, like, is not going to be good for the podcast. Like it's not going to help, um, someone learn because I messed up an exercise, right? I basically did something wrong, you know, on accident, of course, then I'll re-record it. But nowadays, not so much. So my confidence in who I am as a player um, and my ability to teach people and that that's really grown, that that's been a huge, huge maturity point for me that, that I've reached that I'm so grateful for because I honestly don't know if I would have reached that if it wasn't for creating content like the podcast um, where every time you publish an episode, you feel like you are exposing yourself to tons of people, right? You're like basically saying like, here I am, right? Uh, the internet is a cruel place too. You could be open to tons of criticism it can be scary to press that publish button, right? But my confidence in who I am as a player, who I am as a person, um, who I am as a teacher has grown so much over the last 400 episodes. So personally, I've just grown so much and uh, I'm just really grateful that I've been able to press record 400 different times uh, on this podcast because um, I'm just a better person. I'm literally just a better person for having done this podcast, which is kind of a weird thing to say. You know, it's, I don't know why it sounds weird. It just is a weird thing to say that I've, you know, <laughs> you know, but it has. And, and I think it's uh, whenever you're doing something worth doing, usually that's going to be going to be the result. So, um, yeah, I'm really proud of that. So moving on to the last category which is content creation. What have I learned about content creation after 400 podcast episodes? And wow, I mean, I could do, like obviously has nothing to do with jazz, but I could do, like I could write books about this, honestly. So first of all, just so everybody understands, like content creation, what's it for? Why do people create podcasts like this? You know, this is just pulling the curtain back in case you have never looked behind it before. So the reason we have a podcast, the reason we have a blog, the reason we have a YouTube channel, right? All of this is so that I can provide you great value that I can, you know, show you that I'm a great teacher for free. And I'm happy to do that. And then if you feel like the offer that I have, you know, in my case, it's our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership could be of further help to you, that which is where I can help you the most, <clears throat> then you're invited to do so, right? And that's how the business works. That's how um, almost every single business operates in some form of this that's doing what we call organic content. So that would be, you know, having a podcast, having a blog, or we call it SEO, search engine optimization or a YouTube channel, right? Um, so, you know, I'm sure most of you understand that completely, right? You understand how it works and why we do what we do. And I think the side benefit of it as well is there are people that can't afford to buy my products. Um, there are people that, you know, it's just not the right time for them to buy my products, there are some people that my product is not actually right for them at all, but there's still some beneficial things from the podcast. And so it is actually quite fulfilling for me personally to offer um, content for free for these reasons. And I get emails from people where I know this is the case. And so that that is also a very fulfilling thing. But needless to say, all of this means that the content that we create here on the podcast or anywhere it has a strategy to it. There is strategy to the kinds of content create, how we create it. Now, when we create content, that's a whole nother different animal where literally I have hired musicians before 
that were incredibly great musicians and even taught private lessons, but failed miserably when they tried to create a course for me or fail, failed miserably when they tried to create a, a YouTube video for me because they are not content creators. It is, it is a totally different animal, right? It is a totally different animal to create content. It's a little bit more relaxed and loose on a podcast because most people listening to podcasts can are, are want to listen for a long time. Like that's, it, it's, it's a great medium for that. If you want to listen and deep dive onto a topic for a long time. So it can be a lot more raw, like this particular podcast episode, very raw, right? So, you know, but if you don't get good at making content and delivering a message and quickly adding value to someone's life, they're probably going to stop listening or they're going to stop watching, right? So after creating so much content, you really learn for each medium. So I really think the two main ones are like that have a learning curve to them. Um, well, so, so does the blog, like SEO too, but you know, is YouTube and, and the podcast, right? Especially YouTube. Like YouTube is an absolute animal, right? Literally everything matters. Like whenever you see like thumbnails from YouTubers or titles that you would consider clickbaity, the reason that they're doing that is because if they don't have a good click-through rate on their video, YouTube will not show the video to anyone. So they are trying to draw clicks. On the flip side, if you are truly clickbait, which means that you know, you're not actually delivering what you promised in the title or the thumbnail of the video, then your watch time will be low. Your average view duration, as we call it in the analytics, will be low, and therefore YouTube will also not send out your content. But even if you are delivering on the content promised in the thumbnail or the video, you have to keep people watching for as long as possible, which means your videos can't be too long. Like the podcast content does not work very well on YouTube at all, right? Because it's just the wrong kind of um, person. It's the wrong moment, the kind of content people are consuming at the moment, right? But you have to keep people watching for a long period of time. You have to... Um, keep it interesting. You have to keep visuals going. Uh, I, I usually am playing my instrument as quickly as possible in YouTube videos because I learned that the longer it takes me to play my instrument on a YouTube video, the less likely people are going to continue to listen, right? Uh, to watch, right? Now, some of this is also true um, as far as the podcast goes, but also like I use the different mediums for different kinds of strategy. Like we talked about strategy before. So for podcasts, I'm really using it to create a deeper level of a relationship with you, my listener, right? Again, I'm totally just like opening up the curtain for you right here. Not in a manipulative way, by the way, just like, uh, hey, do you want to, if you're fine with listening to me talk for a while and really get to actually explain everything or really talk out my thoughts on a subject around learning jazz and music, then this is a good place to do it versus on YouTube. It's not a great place to do it because that kind of content just does not, it will not work on YouTube, right? So the the kinds of content and the way I create content are, have really drastically changed over the years, right? And, you know, obviously, again, talking about strategy, like, Yes, I want to be presenting our inner circle membership to you as a listener whenever possible, because maybe now is the right time for you to join the inner circle, right? Maybe now you're at that point where you're ready to do that and to invest in your playing that way. Cool. So you want to be presented with that. So yes, we're using case examples of some of our members, like things that they're actually going through. A lot of times when I'm answering, doing episodes where I'm answering a question, um, these come from our live Q and A's that come up in our inner circle membership, right? Where it's like, oh, a member literally asked this question, right? So that's probably means that people on the podcast ask that question, especially because a lot of people who are in our membership um, are our podcast listeners, right? As well. So in fact, again, just to like open up the curtain even wider for you, um, when we actually look at where we get most of our members from, it comes from all over the place. We get a lot of people from the blog, but the most um, committed 
uh, and the high the highest conversion rates that we have are from people that listen to the podcast. And why is that? It's for the exact reason I say people will listen to. It could take 50, they'll listen to 50 episodes of this podcast, but by episode 50, you've been listening to me talk for a long time. You're might be convinced that like, yes, the inner circle would be a good choice because you know, Hey, Brent is actually telling me a lot of good stuff. And so podcast listeners tend to be, um, again, not, (laughs) this sounds like we're, I'm reducing you to like a marketing term, but higher quality leads (laughs) because, um, you're willing to listen for a long for longer, right? You're willing to invest more of your time into learning, right? And so ten, the kind of people that tend to do that tend to be, um, you know, better, even better members within our inner circle membership, like people that actually end up taking action, people that are actually very active in the community, all that stuff. So that's like just pulling back the curtain about like what I've learned as a content creator. Um, and that's just a very small fraction of talking about like the marketing side of what we do. But there's also like the, the you know, the thing of like, how do you create 400 episodes of content? <laughs> it's It's pretty insane. I always will joke to my wife just over the years. I'll just randomly be like, hey, Philippia, like, you know, I hate to tell you this. But I've finally run out of ideas for the podcast. And she'll look at me, she'll be like, no, 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 you have not, right? Like, but I'm I'm joking. It just sometimes it, yes, you literally do kind of run into a wall and you're like, wow, we have like there's so much content we've covered. What do we do next? And so I've really learned again as a teacher, how do you create content about things? that you've talked about before, but in a different way, right? Because again, that different way could be helpful. Or I'm always surprised when I find out that I have not created a podcast episode on a certain, you know, topic. And so a lot of time actually goes into like brainstorming um, video ideas, sorry, video ideas. Yeah, video ideas for sure on YouTube, but podcast ideas, like trying to figure out what kind of content can we do? What kind of content lines up with our strategy and what kind of content will serve you guys, the podcast listeners the most, and just coming up with like a bunch of ideas. Um, And then every once in a while, I won't have any ideas, but I'll be like, oops, it's time to record the podcast. And so (laughs) I'll come up with the idea that happens sometimes too. In general, we try to to be ahead of everything. On on YouTube, we're always ahead by... uh, I'm always I'm usually ahead by a month unless I had to go out of town for some reason. The podcast I played a little bit closer, but I like to be at least two weeks out ahead of time before that podcast episode is going to be published. So you do have to create like a content schedule and be, be very rigid about it. Um, you know, make sure you know when you're going to record the podcast. You know, all that has to be um, considered and. You know, I'll also there's data that I'm looking into. I'm looking at like I go into our podcast host and look and see what episodes have more downloads than others. That's very obvious. Oh, this particular episode has a lot more downloads than the other ones, which means you guys, the listeners, are interested in this episode. So can I create another episode similar to this that you might be more interested in, right? So that's yeah, that's content creation. I mean, there's so much more I could share about this, but I'm trying to keep in mind that this is a jazz podcast <laughs> and um, not like a content marketing podcast because um, like I'm basically like it's like I, I'm I'm literally probably at this point just as much of an expert on um, content marketing <laughs> as I am a jazz musician, which is a kind of funny, a funny thing to say. Um which, by the way, that's like another just side thing I feel like the podcast and creating content has taught me. It's like I came into this whole thing as a, a professional musician, right? That's That was my expertise. And I'm here today, all these years later, um, with, a, with an entirely different skill set under my belt, which was incredibly essential for me succeeding as a professional musician, a professional jazz musician, which I've talked before on the podcast is a funny thing because when you go to school for jazz, you actually don't learn any of that. Like they don't, at least in my case, they never told me how to actually go about making a living playing music. Um, I wish they told me all the things that I've learned 
today, right? But they never told me those things. So I kind of have learned just by trial and error um, over the years. So the last thing I'll talk about on the podcast here um, is what's next for the podcast. Like what is next after 400 episodes? What is going to happen? What am I going to do next? Well, first and foremost, I'm not going to stop. Like I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this podcast. And why would I keep going? Well, several reasons. Number one, I actually really enjoy doing this podcast of all of the different content that we create um, outside of like content for our actual members is the podcast. I like YouTube. I, you know, just between you and me, like YouTube, it it's it, it's not my favorite. Like I do it because it brings in leads and customers again, not to reduce anybody to a marketing term, but the podcast is really, I enjoy doing this. Like I enjoy sitting here behind the mic and allow, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I can be a long winded person, <laughs> ask my wife. And so this works better for me. It's, it, it works better for me to get my ideas out. So I'm going to continue doing it because number one, I just enjoy doing it. Number two, I think that there's so much more that I can teach you. So I'm going to continue creating great content to serve you, to help you learn. That's what I'm going to do. I'm excited to do it. So what's going to change about the podcast? So the honest truth about it is not a whole lot is actually going to change compared to what we've been doing over the last year right? And just to clarify what that is and how that differs from other years. So at one point, we used to do a lot more interviews on this podcast. So especially in the earlier days, I would at least try to do one interview a month. Sometimes we do two interviews a month. So getting on um, somebody else to be a guest on the show, right? Um, and that's great. I'm, I'm still going to do that from time to time, 100%. But uh, and I, because I do believe it's good for you to have uh, to get some different perspective, especially if it's an area where I'm not an expert in. Like I think back to the episode with Livio Almeida, who is a Brazilian saxophonist, and he taught us about bossa nova. I know how to play bossa nova on a very basic level, but obviously, if we're going to talk about something like that, let's get you know a Brazilian musician who really knows what he's talking about on the show. So that's going to still happen, but um. Over the last year, I really haven't done many interviews, just occasional ones that I've done where I felt it was appropriate. And I I am going to continue doing that because, you know, it, it sounds funny. It, it's just, it's a more sustainable way for me to do this, right? I, you know, I do have a, a team around me. I definitely do not run Learn Jazz Standards by myself by any stretch, by any means. But I do, as the CEO of the company, have a lot. And so... When I'm creating this content, a sustainable way for me to do it is doing a lot of these solo shows. And when you're doing interviews, you're having to set up the interview. Even if I have my assistant doing it, you're having to schedule times, you're having to um, get on the calls, you're having to go back and have editors edit everything. It's It adds a lot more to it. And so I'm just being honest with you. Again, it's like the transparency episode. <laughs> you know, why are we not doing more interviews? It's literally the main reason is because of that. But again, we'll continue to do occasional interviews where I'm like, hey, I actually can't talk on this topic, but we need to talk about it, right? What I am going to be doing more of, though, as far as involving other people in the podcast, is I'm going to be involving our inner circle members a little bit more. And when I say that, I you may have noticed on recent episodes, every once in a while, I have I'm using members as an example. Like I'm like asking our members, "Hey, can I use your recording that you did in the inner circle? I like to share what you were doing." And sure, I'm doing that for strategic purposes, but also I'm realizing that. The best way I can teach and serve on the podcast is show other people that are just like you, show them, show you how they are succeeding, right? Because I could talk all day about how I've succeeded or strategies that you could succeed with. And, you know, you can take all of that because I'm an expert, but when you're seeing other people who are really in the same boat as you, right? They're not experts. They're just trying to get better at playing jazz. 
and they're having success, I think those are some of the best teaching moments. So I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to involve our inner circle members. I'm going to continue to feature questions that inner circle members are asking, right? Because those might be things that you're, you're having struggles with as well. So we're going to continue more with that, right? Than I am with getting outside guests, but again, we'll continue to do both of them. I'm going to keep going on a weekly basis. So over the last year, we did what was something called quick win episodes, and it was kind of an experiment. And what I was basically doing is, is um, and this was on the advice of, uh, I guess, a podcast consultant that I had spoken with who kind of did a little bit of an audit of my podcast and made some suggestions about ways that I could improve it. And the consultant said that, hey, you should try coming out with a second episode um, to grow the podcast so that, you know, and and one that's shorter, basically. So what we did is basically we were making slight variations of versions of our YouTube videos and putting it out on the podcast. We call this content repurposing, by the way, for more content marketing uh, terminology for you. And I think the problem that I was having um, the reason that we're not going to continue doing that is, uh, I guess, two things. Number one, first and foremost, I didn't feel like the content that we were making on YouTube was always working very well for the podcast. And this obviously, first of all, was reflected in data. Fewer people were downloading and listening to those episodes, which I thought was um, really interesting versus the ones we come out with every single Monday here, the longer form ones. But I think it, it's because, again, the YouTube videos, that's really where I can get visual, which I mean, learning music sometimes can be so visual, right? It's it's sometimes there's things that it just are not good for a podcast, right? Show I can't show you musical examples. I can't um, show you music notation, uh, there's a lot of things that you can't see. My, if you're a guitar player and you want to see what I'm doing on my instrument, or even if you're not a guitar player, but you just want to see me actually playing to make that connection, I can't do that on a podcast. I can do that on YouTube. So therefore, the content I'm creating on YouTube, as I mentioned before, is a lot different than what I would create on a podcast. And so sometimes I didn't feel good about the episodes that were coming out on the podcast because I wondered if they were as beneficial to people. And then sometimes I felt a lot of stress about creating the YouTube videos because I'd be like, well, I can't do it that way because I'd have, it won't work for the podcast or, okay, well now we're going to have to record a separate section there and swap it out for that section. And I'd have to talk to the editor about all that. And it would just, I just don't think it was working in the way I would have liked to. And so without, you know, me creating more content for the podcast, which I just don't have the capacity to do. So we're not going to do the quick win episodes every Friday anymore. And you've probably noticed if you're a regular listener, that isn't happening anymore anyways. So we're just going to be doing the one podcast episode um, every single Monday. And I think that's going to be, um, again, it's all in the interest of just making sure the podcast is always getting better and that it's improving and that the kind of content there is relevant and helpful. The last thing I'll say as far as the kind of stuff I'm going to be doing, and this is sound a little bit funny because um, earlier I was talking about how, well, you know, it took me some time to like get used to like playing my instrument on the podcast and like playing more. And so I often ha- do play my instrument a lot on the podcast because that's completely appro- appropriate, right? I'm teaching you how to play music, so that's completely appropriate. That being said, I also view the podcast as this opportunity for me to be more of a coach, to give more strategy about practicing. Sometimes that doesn't require me playing an instrument. Sometimes that requires just me going over a strategy or some information for you that doesn't revolve around me actually showing you musical examples. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And again, on my YouTube channel, like 100% 
that is always there. It's mostly me playing. Every once in a while, we have a talking head YouTube video, but it's mostly me playing. It's mostly me showing examples, right? And so that's always going to be there for those listening to the podcast to check out as well if you want to check out our YouTube videos. But I do want to do put a little less pressure on myself to constantly create episodes where I am playing a lot. Not that that's there's a problem with that. It's just that sometimes, again, because the podcast is only an aural medium, I can't always show you things. I can only play something that you can hear and learn by simply hearing it, right? So sometimes it's actually a little bit difficult, in my opinion, to create content that's always useful when I'm showing you tactics and all that stuff by playing, right? Sometimes actually YouTube or video rather is actually a better medium to do that. So I think I'm going to be a little bit less, and this might be something you don't even notice on the podcast. Like you might not even notice a difference. It's more like an internal thing for me, like an emotional thing for me. I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving or put a little less pressure on myself to constantly create episodes like that and be fine with doing some of these talking head strategy podcast episodes. Because again, I think that this medium, the strategy for this medium is that is the opportunity to do this, right? So anyways, those are just some thoughts <laughs> that I have in, in some of the uh, the future of the podcast. But most important to you is it's not going anywhere. We're going to continue doing this thing. So my friends, thank you. I, once again, this has been a long episode. Thank you. Uh, if you're still listening, I appreciate you. And thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you. And I'm just grateful for every single listen that I can have. And I don't take this privilege for granted at all. So we'll see you in the next 400 episodes. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.